Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Uh, today's episode is a continuation of sorts of an episode we did a couple weeks ago, our back to school episode, which was about, um, you know, about being a student, about how we discipline children. It, it evolved into a conversation about you know, the school to prison pipeline, how we regulate the behavior of young people, what the environment of school should be, how do we foster young people, how do we accommodate young people when they make mistakes. Um, And that was a very lively conversation. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot to say about it, so it's worth revisiting. But it's particularly worth revisiting because one of our oldest friends uh, is now doing work, uh, restorative justice work in schools in Oakland. Um, And we wanted to learn more about that, hear from him what that looks like, the importance of having that in schools, some of the mistakes that we make when we try to discipline kids, what's a better approach. Um, So I've had some conversations with uh, with our old friend about that, uh, but I wanted to bring him on the show so that we could have a deeper conversation to get a sense of the work that he does, what's working and what's not working. So without further ado, I want to introduce our guest for today, Jesus L., a very old friend, famous for many things, an acro dunker, a performer, a dancer, uh, and now using his talents and gifts uh, to work with young people in schools in Oakland. Uh, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Um, and it's cool to uh, get to talk to you all <laughs> because I don't really get a chance to talk to you like that anymore. Um, and I just remember um, coming in as a young man into Yo um, and having, you know, people like you and Kev Weston and J.R. Valerie, like everybody just kind of take me under the wing um, and teach me a lot. So I really appreciate being on the yeah, it's great to have you on. We've been trying to figure out a way to have you here for a long time. You reached out when we were doing our fundraiser. And when I learned more about the work that you were doing, I felt like that was a no brainer for the show. Um, so start off just if you could with a little bit of an overview um, of what what a restorative justice model is and how it can be used in schools or how it is being used in schools. But restorative justice, I think a lot of people, we use that word. Some of us might be more familiar with it than others, but give us, give us an overview. What is the model of restorative justice? Right. Well, it's, uh, it's kind of an umbrella term. Um, so it can encompass three different tiers. Tier one looks more like a community building circles, um, just leveraging relationships uh, with the teachers, the students, the staff. Um, while also being a support system to all three, um, but then building that relationship amongst them. So it changes the environment of the classroom. It's kind of hard to be mean to somebody uh, when you know who they are and you know what your similarities are. Um, Tier two would be more so conflict mediation, conflict resolution, um, tier three would uh, be a little heavier and maybe reentry circles for kids that have gone to juvenile hall or been suspended and expelled. Um, but also the whole purpose of doing restorative justice in schools is to come to some sort of resolution um, to create a space where it's an alternative for suspension, expulsion and the 
school to prison pipeline. So I believe that when you have opportunities and you create opportunities to leverage relationships amongst people, um, you give them the opportunity to really get to know each other. A lot of the times the students see the teachers as these robots uh, with just all this information that don't really care. And oftentimes the teachers see so many students at one time that they don't really get to know the kids. They never really get the opportunity to. Sometimes the pushback looks like, well, how am I going to run community building circles if I have this curriculum that I got to get done? But if they start off the school year by building community circles and leveraging relationships with each other, um, a lot of the conflict that happens in the classroom uh, begin to cease to exist. And uh, that's less chances of them sending them out of, out of the class, them getting suspension or expulsion. Uh, and it's just about building relationships, man. Like we are all people. And that's something I was saying in the circle today. I said, and right now I'm working at a middle school. So I've worked with multiple different uh, age ranges. Right now I'm working in the middle school, but I was telling the youth that the importance of building these relationships and building this community is that you guys feel safe, comfortable to come into the classroom or come into the, on the campus and feel at home and, and be safe. It's only 24 hours in a day. They're spending eight or more hours in one place all day. Some students are spending more time with their teachers than they are their parents. Yeah. So for true. us to be able to create a, a, a safe environment for everybody to thrive and we can change the dynamics of the classroom, uh, the, the environment for learning. Um, and I think just the kids being able to see that the teachers are human beings when they get off of work, they still got bills to pay and they got families to go home to and they have different obligations. But also the teachers seeing that the students are just not kids coming to school. They also have a life. They also have a past. Some of them have their trauma and their triggers. So for us to be able to meet each other in the middle, um, just to be people for all of us to get what we want out of the time that we spend in it. Yeah. Well, I was encouraged to hear that this work was going on in schools in Oakland for a lot of different reasons, just really schools anywhere, because uh, that's very different. That model uh, for intervention when there's an issue at school is very different from my experience when I was in school. I, I really I thought of school as a punitive environment. I thought of the adults who were there as like, you know, people who got you in trouble. It didn't feel like a community. And, you know, there are exceptions to that rule. There were there were good teachers and there were some schools that were better than others. But, you know, most of the schools I went to, there was a police officer there every day. And, you know, everybody was just trying to uh, it, it wasn't that different from, you know, the kind of institutions. That's why they call it the school to prison pipeline, the kind of institutions that kids end up in, uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes myself included juvenile halls. Right. P punitive environments that are about control and social control. Right. And part of that is just because, like, you know, I got in a lot of trouble as a, as a kid. Some of that was on me. Right. Because some of that's my own behavior that I have to own. Um, but. I was very happy to hear that this work was going on in schools and that you were doing it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, how is that different 
from your experience of school when you were a kid in middle school when you were a kid in high school um what was the method there for intervention when a kid you know did something that might have been disruptive or disrespectful well i mean the thing that i have to also be honest and take accountability for is the way i was showing up um i was dealing with uh, a lot of trauma and i was dealing with uh my father not being around like that, um, in which we're leveraging a pretty good relationship now. But it was like I was always the angry kid, you know, and and I would act out in different ways. But I didn't know how to pinpoint my emotions because I didn't have a, a space to talk about it. Um, and oftentimes it seems like it's difficult uh, to talk about things that you really feeling when you feel alone. Um, so with doing a community building circles, we're able to tackle some similarities that we all share. So you're able to build friendships. You're able to build connections with people. And for me, I was always in the office <laughs> and something that changed the um, the trajectory of how I showed up was having my mentor. Uh, Siddiqui Fuller, a.k.a. Thunder, he was the mascot for the Golden State Warriors. They taught me how to be an acrobat. Um, however, he also taught me how to be socially, emotionally aware of where I was at and what I was feeling. So him taking me to Toastmaster speech classes, him having me read Zig Ziglar and Les Brown and other positive motivational books, he gave me something that I felt like the world turned their back on me for, you know? So, uh, being able to use that, those tools of communication, it gave me uh, my voice back that I didn't even know was missing, that I felt like I needed to do all this other stuff to release that energy. But mainly it was just, I felt misunderstood coming from West Oakland. You hearing about people getting shot, they shooting every night. Your pop's not really around. Your stepdad around, but he always working. And then your stepdad died. Like it's, it's so many different. Uh, it's multifaceted. You know what I mean? Um, so to be able to uh, use this platform to connect people, because I understand what it feels like. Also, uh, to use the platform of me doing acrobatic slam dunking for the NBA to be able to engage with kids. I took. Everything my mentor told me, I made him a promise and his mentor promised that everything that they did for me, that I would go on and do it for other kids. Um, so the past 13 years, I spent um, giving a game away or sharing a game. I don't want to say giving it away because I still I still got it. Right. It's still yeah. active. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny because um, personally, I asked God to give me my 20s. Um, I grew up in the church and I have a pretty solid relationship with God. It's not more so religious than it is about spirit. And I said, man, you give me my 20s. I'm going to give you my 30s. Nice. And he didn't forget about that because <laughs> when I was 29, it was more stuff coming up. And he kept sending me more youth and putting me in positions to be able to use my mouthpiece to find people, to create spaces for people, to help people. Um, so this is just kind of my life work. It's no real escaping it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I get paid to talk to people and I'm a people person. So 
No, it makes sense. I, I mean, listening to you talk and just knowing you as long as I've known you, I think, you know, those kids are lucky to have somebody like you in there. I, I think I would have been very happy to have um, somebody like you with that worldview showing up in the room when I was in the office. You know what I mean? Asking those yeah. kind of questions like, oh, what's going on at home? Or because uh, I, I felt like those I, I feel like those questions are not asked very often that we don't always contextualize human behavior not just for kids even adults people get in trouble we don't always ask what's going on with them you know we turn very punitive very quickly right Um, even even oh my bad i didn't mean to cut you off no no i was gonna ask you um to talk i'm very curious about what this process looks like right so can you talk me through the process? Let's say somebody gets in trouble, they get suspended and they're coming back into school. What is your role? What does it look like when you're welcoming that, them back in? Is it the whole classroom, everybody's together and they welcome this person to have a conversation? Is there atonement? Is there apology? Do people write letters? Right, you know, right, right. What, what's going on in the room when that happens? So, I mean, it, it all depends on a system of support and what harm was uh, caused, right? So um, one situation that I had, it was uh, two boys. Um, they ended up getting into a fight. It wasn't it wasn't big, but the fighting part was right. So I had to do a mediation with them. And then I took them through some restorative questioning. Like and what that may look like is uh, instead of saying, why did you do that? That's extremely punitive. Right. So instead of saying, why did you do that? I asked what happened. You know what I mean? Something as small as that, it may it may de-escalate the situation. Because if you say, well, why did you do that? You don't even know what I did. You don't know how I felt. You don't know how I was triggered. You don't, you're not even asking me. You're just asking me, why did I do that versus saying what happened? Because everybody has their own perception of the story. Um, and then following up, with that question would look something like, so uh, what were you thinking at the time? How did you feel at the time? You know what I mean? And then they talk about what it is that came up for them and you can get an understanding of it. And then being able to reiterate what you hear them saying, because you may not be right in what you're hearing. You can sometimes slip into something that you feeling. And you can put your own your own stuff on a situation that doesn't even belong to that. Right. Um, And then I ask him, like, who was affected? Right. By everything that happened, who was affected? So like a question. Yeah. Who was who who was impacted by it? Because if the kids, they had a fight in the classroom. um, Everybody, everybody in the classroom is impacted, including the teacher. Imagine being a teacher trying to teach and then kids get into it and start fighting. You have to control 30 other kids or 28, 27 other kids. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, to your point from earlier, um, you know, something like that, like an act of violence, a fight breaks out. If there are 28, 29 other people in the room, you don't know what violence means to those people. You know, there's right. There's a person in that room who might be experiencing violence at home. There's a person who might might not feel safe for a different reason, someone who experienced some trauma a long, long time ago, and that brings them that back up for them. Um, That question, that's a crucial question. I like it because you do look outside of yourself. A lot of times we get caught up 
you know, whatever, adults, everybody. Oh, no, 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 what happened? You know, and he was disrespectful and you get so locked into whatever the, you know, perceived threat or perceived disrespect was that you, as you're saying, you forget you're a part of a community. When you're acting out that way, it's like, you know, when somebody's parents fight, they're locked into their drama forgetting that there are you know kids in the room or in the other room who are hearing this and being impacted uh, and probably so, being triggered of course yeah you know um so and then usually is so what i do though as far as mediation goes um what i do is i check in with both students uh first uh individually um and then i take them through the restorative inquiry of what's going on with them and how they feel about it and what they feel like happened. Um, and it's interesting to, in one case, I had a situation when I say who was impacted and the, and the other kid was like, he was, cause he had punched him in the eye and he had a <laughs> black eye. He was like, he was impacted. And I said, okay, I want you to think a little deeper. What about the students in the classroom? You know, and just to your point, what you were saying, what about those students, right? Yeah. And then I said, what about your teacher? What about you? You said he was impacted, but you in the office about yeah. to get suspended. So you have all these different people that's impacted. I say even more so, what about the staff on the school that talk to you on a regular basis and want to see you do good yeah. and believe in you and all the other people at home that send you to school to learn and believe in you? everybody's impacted by your actions and it's not to say anything negative it's just to be mindful and reflective on how you show up in different places right yeah and then i ask them uh individually what needs to happen to make things right what do you think needs to happen to make things right with the other person what kind of answers do you usually get oh man uh First is first is a it's a I mean that's a pretty loaded question yeah. to ask somebody. <laughs> so so at first it's kind of like, uh, man, I don't know, Zeus, I don't know. Say <laughs> so, okay, so instead of suspension and expulsion, what would you rather do? What needs what needs to happen outside of what you rather do? What needs to happen? Uh, man, I need to apologize. Okay, all right, apology. That's Good step one. To who though? Um, to the other person. It's like, okay, what about? I mean, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do suggestiveness. I, I just say, well, is it anybody else that probably need to get an apology from me? Um, the other students in the classroom because they shouldn't have to come to school and see that. I was like, what about the teacher? You know, like, yeah. And I said, what about yourself? Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of the times we, we forget to forgive ourselves yeah. for for ourselves getting out of character. Yeah. And this is more so tier two, tier three stuff. But we're not taught to forgive ourselves like that. You know, and that's why you have a lot of people walking around with all this animosity and this energy because they weren't taught to forgive themselves anymore. You shouldn't have to wear shame as a badge, like a scarlet letter. If you have remorse in your heart, let that be known. Yeah. 
Well, is there is, is part of this process kind of a mutual forgiveness? Is there oh, yeah, yeah, an, yeah. an opportunity for the teacher and for people who are in the class to say, like, all right, like let, let we me welcome let me we welcome you back. Yeah, yeah, let me let me let me keep going a little bit. Yeah, yeah, so, please. So that's phase one. Phase one is checking in with them and asking them, are they willing to do a mediation? I can't force you to do something that you don't want to do. I feel like that that pushes an envelope of me taking away your voice. If it's something you don't want to do, that's not my job to force you to do it. Right? Yeah. So after taking them through the restorative inquiry, uh, I ask them, are you willing to have a mediation with the other person? But after I take them through all of this, they're able to dissect where they are mentally and the role that they played in take accountability. Some people want to just say, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to be around that person. Hey, you got your, your human right to not want to participate. More times than not, they they participate though, um, because they can make it right. And sometimes we do things impulsively, not knowing the impact that it's gonna have on other people. Um, so what I did in that specific situation for the boys that was fighting in class, and it was over actually the boy who swung on the other boy, he he asked the boy to stop touching him. And the other boy kept doing it. But mind you, these are sixth graders. And in fifth grade, one of them was getting bullied. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So he's walking with his, his own, like, imagine being in fifth grade again, getting bullied. Then imagine going into middle school for the first time. And then somebody's trying to bully you. And you're the new kid on campus. Fight yeah. or flight type yeah. of response, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I got them, uh, once they both agreed to it, I got them both in my room. And uh, and I'm a little unorthodox with it. What I did was I had us all talk while playing Uno. Right? So yeah. they, was able, they was able to take their focus off of the matter at hand but just talk amongst each other like young men while I was asking questions. Same questions I asked. And then they opened up a little more and they got to know each other a little more like, man, you know, I used to get bullied. And one of the kids was coming from a space where uh, he was a black kid, he'd go to school, he was going to school in Fremont. So it ain't, he wanted the only black kids at the school you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's other things that are coming up when you talk through it. And it's not about being impulsive. It's just giving them the space to talk through it. Um, and then the other kid was like, you know what? I should have left you alone. Um, that was my fault. Like, so I'm watching a magic happen while I'm tearing them up at Uno, too. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Can't right? Win. Can't let them win. Hey, man. Hey, we don't play those games. If you have a draw for it, it must be used. Yeah, it must be used. Somebody <laughs> somebody got to catch this heat. Um, but just to see them interacting with each other and laughing with each other. And then I said, uh, okay, at the end of the – we played like two or three games while we was talking. And I'm getting to, getting to know these kids. Like I'm asking them about – their family. I'm asking about their summer. I'm asking about their community. I'm asking about their support systems. I'm asking, you know, I'm asking all these different questions. They don't know that they're giving me so much more information for me to use to tell them about the similarities that they have. So they're not too far off from each other. Though. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And they both in sixth grade. They like, man, yeah, I was nervous coming to sixth grade. I didn't know what to expect. You got lockers, you got multiple teachers, you got so now I'm leveraging relationships. And then I'm asking them stuff like, yo. So um now that we had this, y'all good? If y'all good or you feel like you need to talk through something else, like let me know. No, nah, no, nah, I said everything, man. I was like, well, what about you? How you feel? Man, I said everything. I really do apologize. They apologized to each other. It was genuine. It was love. And then they shaking hands with each other and they laughing. We all laughing before they leave my office. And then I said, well, before you go, do you feel like it's anybody else you need to apologize to? And I was like, yeah, I feel like we need to apologize to the classroom. I was like, why? They told me why it was they don't they shouldn't have to, you know, come to school seven, eight hours out of the day and deal with people fighting. And I also let them know, like, you don't know what a person's home situation looks like. So you don't know their triggers. And I said, well, who else should you apologize to? And it was like uh, our parents um, and the teacher. And I said, OK, well, is that something that y'all want to do? Because I'll come up upstairs with y'all to walk y'all back to class. They got the same class. I'll come upstairs with y'all to walk y'all back to class if y'all want to do that and you need some support. It was like, yeah, can you? So I'll go up there. I tell the teacher, I said, man, these young brothers, uh, they, they want to make an announcement. Boom. Teacher like, cool. Hey, they want to make an announcement. Also, at the same time, a teacher is having a circle about what happened in his classroom, which I don't really approve of without those kids being there, right? Because I feel like that's a little dark. Um, But they go back up there. He's totally not expecting it. They apologize to the teacher, to the whole class, to each other. They shake hands. They hug. And it was like, man, you know, I feel like we could have been a lot more mature. This is sixth graders, though, so it's blowing my mind. And I feel like we could have been a a lot more mature about how we handled it. And hopefully – um, we can just moving forward. We can just use our words to describe like what we feeling. Yeah, I mean, those are powerful tools that seem, you know, listening to you talk about it, it seems like, oh, that's that should be obvious. Right. That That is how we should approach everything. And then I think about how I deal with things in my own life. And I, I don't always do that. You know, I right like it's a it, practice. It's yeah, a practice. It is. You got to practice it. It is. It takes a lot of self-awareness. It takes a lot of insight and it takes a lot of guidance. Um, so that makes me uh, wonder where you got these skills. Is this something that you felt like some of it came naturally? You got some training or some background. How did you come to this work and, and where did you get these tools? Well, I I, I got a uh, I, I pick up a, a, a few different tools everywhere, right? Um, as far as just being a people person and loving people, um, it came from me traveling around the world. I'm I'm getting to know all these different people, and we don't share the same background. Um, like China, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Japan, like I'm learning different people's culture, and I'm learning that. I don't have to know everything about your culture for me to respect you and understand you. Two, my mentor uh, was teaching me how to treat people, going to Toastmaster speech classes uh, to learn how to articulate myself. My grandma used to, uh, I didn't know that it was restorative justice work. She was a therapist, God rest her soul. 
I got rest my mentor so too. Um, she used to sit the family down in a circle and use a talking piece. And I didn't know what she was doing, but now I know as I got older. Um, what's, a talking, addition, what's a talking piece? So a talking piece can be, uh, so the, the whole purpose of a talking piece is for um, people to be listening attentively to you. Oftentimes we get shut down, one, two, uh, people are not listening to you. They're just waiting to respond. <laughs> and uh, a lot of times, you know, just getting cut off and people not listening at all. So if we have a talking piece to stabilize the situation where everybody has a voice and we are giving respect to the talking piece um, and it could be anything. Usually a lot of people like using um, maybe uh, something of power to them. Uh, but since I'm working in middle school, I got a couple of different talking pieces. Um, I have uh, a teddy bear. And actually, I got I got a bunch of different talking pieces, but I let the students name them. So I got a teddy bear. It's a fan favorite. They call him uh, Teddy Wop, like the <laughs> rapper. Uh, I got a, a, a purple elephant that they call Ellie May. <laughs> Um, I got a little blue dog that they call Snoop Doggy Dog, and I got a talking I got a talking stick that makes noise, and I got a ladybug that uh, they call uh, what, what do they call it? We she ain't got no she ain't got no play yet. Nobody picks ladybug. <laughs> Nobody wants the ladybug. Yeah, uh, no, her name is Lovebug. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> You know, and it's just like finding, and you know what's crazy though? Me doing this type of work, what it taught me is when I even be around adults, I see the little kid in people. It taught me how to see the kid in people because you get older, you forget that you was once a kid. You forget that, you know what I mean? Like you forget you was once a kid. You forget that you like riding bikes with your friends. You forget about those video game days. You forget you forget all those things because you have to start thinking about all the stuff you're doing. The circle that I ran today, I had three circles um, in the same teacher's class. Um, so I opened it up um, by obviously uh, reestablishing um, the, the guidelines and the values, which may look like, uh, one, respect the talking piece, speak from the heart, listen from the heart. Um, confidentiality, um, no judgment and respecting other people's opinions and like having them agree to that. In a lot of ways you can have an agreement circle, um, but that comes later. Well, I mean, sometimes that could come early, but for middle schoolers, like you got to kind of just set the, the guidelines um, and ask if they want to add on to anything. And uh, so we do a rock, paper, scissors tournament today, which was dope. The way that game works is you get a partner. You start off with a partner. You do rock, paper, scissors. You do the best out of three. If you lose the person that beat you, you have to start cheering them on when they go against other winners. Nice. So ultimately, it comes down to a one-on-one. And then in the last in the last um, in the last round, when it's just this person versus that person, we all collectively say rock, paper, scissors, shoot. But then we all cheering for the people who team we on now. 
right? Yeah. yeah. And and then another icebreaker was uh, the big wind blows. So you take uh, you take a chair out of the circle, and then uh, it's always going to be one person in the circle. And the way the big wind blows is is that it can be anything, right? So I can say the big wind blows if you like pizza. Everybody has to get up and switch a seat. The trick is, is that you can't sit in the same chair or you can't sit in the chair that's next to the chair you're sitting in. Obviously, no pushing each other and no singling people out, right? Yeah. yeah. And they love the game. After they having fun with each other, they laugh and all of that, I take it back to, all right, so we're going to start the circle up with the last uh, amount of time that we have. The topic for today was um, – I, I went in and talked a little bit about friendship and the our ways of creating and leveraging friendships. I told them, I said, hey, so how would you describe a good friend? What does it mean to be a good friend? And I model it. So I go first and then I pass the talking piece around in a circle. And then they talk about what a good friend is to them. And I said, you know, it's interesting because sometimes we get so caught up on what we want from other people that we don't uh, we don't uh, pay attention to what it is that we have to offer the world. Right. Mm -hmm. So the second round was what is it that you say that makes you a good friend? And usually people struggle with that because. They don't know what it means to be a good friend. They know what it means, but they don't think about it. It's just kind of how you show up. So leveraging that relationship and then after that, doing a circle, a, a lightning round of um, what did you think about the circle? And then closing it out with saying, yo, my whole job and my whole duty here or doing these community building circles, which are, is for you to leverage relationships with your teacher and for your teacher to leverage relationships with you, and then for you to leverage relationships with your peers. Because when you change the dynamics of the classroom, you know what you got, you know, uh, uh, what you have, uh, what's similar that you have, right? And uh, what's different, what you like, what you don't like. And then teachers have been sending me emails saying, man, it changed, it changed how I communicate with my students. Because I can see, I know like this student may live uh, with their parents and may not. This student is going through this. And I'm asking them, yo, what, you know, what's a high and low about your week? That's already setting them up to tell you how you can treat them or how you shouldn't treat them today as a teacher. And then also when a teacher is like, yo, I got a baby on the way and I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm a little nervous, but I know it's going to be okay. So for a student to hear that as a human being, they're going to be like, you know what? Let me not go hard on him because he already got a lot of pressure. Yeah. As human beings, we understand pressure. To not understand a person's situation is easy. To understand a person's situation and still be mean to him, that's difficult. Well, it takes, you know, it also takes buy-in, right? Like everybody has to make themselves a little bit vulnerable in that situation, it's you, you make yourself vulnerable if you're an adult teacher in front of your students and you say, I'm nervous about something in my own life. There's something that I have coming up and I'm not sure that I can handle it. 
you know, that, and that can, give, that can give other people permission to share their own vulnerabilities. And once everybody has a little bit of vulnerability, yeah, of course, it, it, it makes sense that it would be easier for people to have to practice mutual respect, to give each other a break when they're frustrated with each other. I'm, I should be taking notes because this is the kind of stuff I need to do in my own interpersonal relationships, <laughs> professional, personal, <laughs> family, you know, uh, this is uh, this is really illuminating uh even the stuff that sounds like we should know it already you know no, it, it, like it, you said it, it's a practice oh my bad i don't mean to cut you off no go ahead no because i'm working on that because i'm i talk to youngsters about it all the time so i gotta work on my cut people <laughs> oh good so now <laughs> I'm, you I'm see what i'm saying your, i'm practicing yes. i'm practicing yes. my you life. Have to, it's a practice uh, um, i do i do want to ask i do have one specific question because we do have to wrap up but okay. i am curious um <clears throat> Now that this role is formalized for you, you know, you do this actively. This is your job now. Um, do you find yourself playing this role in other areas of your life? Are you doing this with your family? Are you doing this uh, in your relationship? Are you doing this among your friends or in your neighborhood or community? The same kind of work? All the time. Yeah. I like, no, I literally go out. Uh, my girl loves it, but sometimes she don't like it. But. I go out and I I can create a community building circle in any space I'm in. And it it I man, it's so easy for me to make friends for just loving people. <laughs> and then also the dope part is that my girlfriend is a restorative justice coordinator. Nice. So um, you know, a lot of times we don't have the space to um take that self-care and have conversations about what we're going through and what we holding on to with other people. But I'm able to talk to my girl about things that's coming up for me and what I'm holding on to, vice versa. So that makes life a lot easier. Um, also, uh, I'm I'm just, the, I'm one of those people. Like I, I talk to my family, I have to be mindful of how I present it. So it doesn't seem like, oh, he's trying to, do one of his workshops on yeah. not, you know, but I, I'm, it taught me how to be more mindful of people's feelings, bro, outside of mine. It's not, it's not just about me. It's not. Yeah. And if anything, if I have the ability to uh, create and cultivate energy, um, I think that's dope. I'm, I'm the friend that, that calls all my friends over time just to check on them. And I mean, like I got, you've been knowing me since I've been a youngster. I got over a hundred students in the Bay Area, over easily over a hundred students. But to see my phone ring when one of my students need me because they believe that I can give them sound advice is beautiful. Even in the schools, let me add this. Um, I do uh, circles also on anti-bullying. Um, something I told the kids the other day, I'll make it short and sweet because I know we limited on time. Um, something I told the, the students the other day, I was like, oh, well, raise your hand if you've ever been bullied or been a bully and tell me about it. And then for some kids, they was like, well, I was being a bully because I didn't want nobody to bully me first. Yeah. But I mean, that that's how some people feel, right? Because they've been bullied before. I think that's a legitimate, you know, that takes some real uh, insight. You, you know what I mean? You got to have some self-awareness if you're going to share that, even if it's flawed logic. 
um, it's insightful. That's right. where that comes from, self-protection. So, and, so this is the other side of the game. This is one of the more, more heavier um, heavier circles, uh, more more tier two, tier three ish, more tier two. Um, I said, so uh, raise your hand if you got your school ID. Everybody raise their hand. I said, I want you to take your school ID out and I want you to look on the back of it. On the back of their school IDs is suicide prevention hotline, right? Wow. And I said, all right, I want you to close your eyes while I talk to you. I close their eyes. I said, I want you to think about what it's like to not be able to afford new clothes, to be able to afford all the cool stuff that your uh, your peers have. Maybe not have your own house and be staying with somebody else. Uh, may not be listened to and get shut down. Do you know what that feels like? It's rhetorical, though. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I said, so imagine coming to school and getting bullied for seven or eight hours out of the day, and that's something that you got to come to school dealing with. Yeah. So, and then you got the suicide uh, hotline. Why do you think that? Why do you think it's it's important to have that on the back of your ID? A lot of people are dealing with things that we don't know because we don't care to get to know people. We just judge people immediately off of implicit biases. But if you get to know people, you it's hard to be mean to people. Some of the teachers even like started crying in a circle because of what they remember that they had to go through. Yeah. So for the te- for the students to see the teacher be vulnerable about things that they've been through. And one of the students get vulnerable and talk about looking in the mirror and having issues with herself and our self-esteem and all like, man, no, it's power work. It's the work of God. So when I asked for my twenties and I told him I'd give him away my thirties, he was dead serious because he knew what I was, he or she, we don't want to put a gender on God for any (laughs) listeners. Um, But the most high knew what, they were going to call me for to do and me using acrobatic slam. Matter of fact, the students I work with now, they don't even know. They don't even know my backstory. Right. If they know my backstory, I've got way more leverage at the school with the teachers, the staff and the students. But I want you to love me for me and my mindset. And then when I unveil that about me, oh, man, it's game time. (laughs) yeah zeus uh this has been hugely illuminating for me i'm learning about how to navigate social situations i'm thinking back to my own childhood i'm thinking back to my own times in school um and it's so helpful to hear this it makes me very happy to hear that it's happening in schools it makes me very happy to hear that you're the person who's doing it um, we want to have you back on the show again and again to talk about all kinds of things. It's great to have you on for this episode, and it's great to have this discussion with you. So thanks for coming on, Zeus. I appreciate it. Oh, man, you know I love you to death, yeah. man. Y'all, y'all my people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Y'all family, man. It, we, we we go way back. Y'all, y'all it, it, and to be honest with you, um, uh, uh, and, I, and I don't know if I ever said it, Y'all, y'all helped me see myself. Um, 
Y'all help me see myself in a way that I didn't. I know that I'm doing all these things. Oh, you dunk for the Warriors. You're doing this. You're traveling around the world. But for uh, Russell, you and Ann and you two and Ming and men, like y'all really just gave me tools to add to the utility belt and also just seeing me for who I was. I didn't have to be anything fake. I didn't have to pretend to be something I wasn't. I wasn't always like the super, you know what I mean? Like super deep shark dude. Like you just helped me be myself. Um, So for that, I'm eternally grateful (laughs) on some Buzz Lightyear Woody stuff. But I, I'm I'm extremely grateful. Um, I miss Kev Weston. Yeah, we miss him every um, day. Yeah. yeah, man. You know, and it's just crazy because all the people that have impacted my life—not all of them, but a lot of the most important people that impacted my life—they're gone now. You know, my mentor, my stepdad, uh, Kev Weston, like all these different things, these facets of living um, that that I got. It was all from people that are gone now. So I feel like I owe it to these kids to show up in that light for them so they can at least have somebody that that gave a damn at some point in their life from me. You know, it really highlights your point from earlier about, um, you know, passing that along. Right. Like you mentioned your own mentors. That's that's why yo was a special place. You know what I mean? Like you were just a little bit younger than us, you know, but then, you know, when I came in, there were people that were just a little bit older than me who brought me up, encouraged me, built me up. Uh, and the only thing they ever really asked for us was like when the when the new group comes in, be there for them, pass it along. You know, exactly. And that's so, and that's yeah. and that's what I um I took that as a charge. Um, because now my students, man, they work, some of them work for the Clippers, for the Kings, for the Warriors, touring with the Globetrotters, they in Brazil, they like, and that's just the dunking students, the dancing students, they taking over, they got their own dance, uh, businesses, you know, they got students, they, I mean, I'm telling you, it almost, it I watched it blossom and it's one of the greatest feelings to ever have especially to have them all in one spot and I'm the big brother of the group. You know what I mean? Nice. It's a good role to have. It suits you well. Uh, I do my best. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Of course, thanks as always to Eming, our producer, keeping us sounding good, keeping us on task. Uh, And thanks to all of you, our listeners. Uh, Until next time, quest on, everybody. Quest on. This episode of Quest on Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.